Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with Etudes repetiteur Johnny Eliason and artistic advisor Lisa Lander. This episode was recorded on Thursday, February 14th, 2019, before the opening night performance of Program 3, In Space and Time, featuring Helgi Thomason's The Fifth Season, Kathy Marston's Snowblind, and Harold Lander's Etudes. Hope you enjoy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Please feel free to move down closer to the front because we want to have a nice, cozy conversation, and you can move to your ticketed seats after we finish at 7 o'clock. Again, good evening and welcome to the opening performance of Program 3, San Francisco Ballet's repertory season. Um, We're calling this program... um, I can't remember. Um, (laughs) It has a a name. (laughs) In space and time, that's it. And um, which, when you've seen the program, I think you'll understand the reference. Um, I would also like you to welcome you, of course, to this evening's Meet the Artist interview. I'm Mary Wood for San Francisco Ballet. And it's my very, very great privilege and honor to be able to be in conversation with the team who were staging the ballet etudes. And to my immediate right is Lisa Lander, who is artistic advisor, and we'll get a little bit more explanation of that in a minute. And Johnny Eliason, am I saying that right? Excuse me? Your name, Johnny? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm Johnny. Johnny. We've already joked about trying to pronounce Danish names. Um, So... And Johnny was the ballet master or repetiteur for um, the piece Etudes, the ballet Etudes, which concludes this evening's program. Um, many of you may have seen the ballet in the past, and you know how exciting that is. San Francisco Ballet has not done the work in 20 years, but other companies around the world do. Could I have a show of hands? How many of you have never seen it? Oh, that's exciting. So we'll be having plenty of wonderful things to say to those folks. So I want to kick off our conversation by simply asking you each to fill in um, your background. What brings you to the point of staging the ballet etudes? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Danish, and I started at Royal Danish Ballet School when I was seven years old. It's about 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, so I started as a child uh, in the Royal Danish Ballet School and grew through the ranks, uh, became a, became a, a, a court of ballet member, became a principal. Then I went on, not went on, because while I was a principal dancer, I was also a teacher for the school and for the company. And later on, I, be- I began to instruct the ballet. And I, then I became artistic director of the Royal Danish Ballet for some years. And then I finished off being assistant artistic director to a couple of other directors. And then I had enough of that and I left. But during that time, I had the, the, the chance to dance in Harald's, uh, Harlander's Etude. Uh, first time I was were doing the job, I was just a very, very young uh, ballet member, and Harlander was producing uh, etudes for the Danish television. Uh, 
and I was lucky he chose me to be in, a, in, in the Corte Ballet. So that's sort of how I started with the work. Mm -hmm. and, and Lise, if you could tell us, well, fill in your... Sorry. Well, I'm French and I never danced. And I was very fortunate about that because Haldanda had been married to two ballerinas. And uh, to compete with them would have been impossible. So, so I think what we need to, we need to connect the dots, that yeah. you are the surviving Mrs. Lander. Yes, exactly. So Lisa Lander is, was married to Harold Lander. And you have then inherited the, would we call it the rights? Yes, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. You have, you own the ballet. Yes, I do. Yes, yes. actually, yeah. Is how Which I understand it. Which means I take care of the, of the ballet, uh, and that's why Johnny is, he, sorry, Johnny is doing it, and uh, uh, you know, you, you mentioned something that it was not given in many companies. That's, there is a special reason for that, because it's a very, very difficult ballet, which can only be danced by a very big theater. And uh, I am very, uh, very aware of that, and uh, I only give permission to, to produce etude when I'm sure, almost, that everything is okay. And the company here is marvelous, so that's a great pleasure. So we're going to... Assume that it's okay. <laughs> um, let's uh, pick up the story a little bit with um, your... Now, you started by saying you were in the ballet in, well, yeah. as a core boy. I, I started as a core boy, and then later on in, in uh, my career, I was fortunate enough to basically do... There's three principal boys, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I did all three, not at the same time. <laughs> But, tricky, but tricky. I, 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 danced, I danced all the, the, the sections, uh -huh, yes. Uh -huh. the, um, the history of the ballet itself is kind of interesting, and not unlike many other works, it had a smaller beginning, and then it seems to have been revised and grown. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And that leads us to the version that we will see tonight. Well, obviously I didn't know when it was created in 1948 and luckily I wasn't born that, uh, that so early uh, but I believe it has changed over years but it has always had the, 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 the structure with the, you correct me if I'm wrong Lisa, uh, the structure of starting with the, the, the bar, the black bar and, and building into mm -hmm. what it is today. Mm -hmm. There might have been a little bit, which I don't know of, actually, mm -hmm. but Lisa might know. Lisa, I believe you, you knew a little bit of the evolution of it's the piece. It's somehow in, in three crescendos. Uh-huh. So three, three, times you have, three times you have the impression that the ballet is ending because it can't go further. But then you go down and then you start again. And this you do three times mm -hmm. to end with mm -hmm. an explosion. Mm -hmm. You can say that. And is it my, my understanding is that perhaps that big ending was created last and later in the ballet's evolution. I believe I heard that the other day. Ah, I heard that somewhere. Um, um, finalen, um, finalen er 
No, no, I think, I think in the beginning, the finale was in 48, when it was created mm -hmm. in Copenhagen. It ended with, in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. All the parts were choreographed, were in the ballet, but when Harald went to Paris Opera, he decided to change the... the, the to change mm -hmm. the, that uh, because he thought it was better to, to stop with a, to finish with a, something very brilliant and very which, was, which presented the whole company actually and I can promise you it's, it's the finish of all finishes <laughs> it's just um, for those of you who have not seen it <clears throat> um, the, the choice of the music, I think, is also is sort of wrapped up in the same question that I want to ask, which is, what, and this is, I, I ask this a little bit facetiously, what is this ballet about? And in describing it, also perhaps you could describe how the music came to be involved. Well, again, I wasn't around when it was created, but as far as I understand, that uh, Harl Lander worked very closely with, with the composer of this, which is Knud O. Rieser. Say that again. Knud O. Rieser. <laughs> That's the composer. Uh, and, and they worked closely together. Yeah. In, uh, so to the, the ballet evaluated like that gradually. Um, mm -hmm. Then Hald wanted some pieces in, and then Rieser composed them, and you know, it was a very, very close, close collaboration. And they actually started, or, or um, Harold Lander started with just piano studies by Czerny. And those of you who have been piano students and practiced those piano studies by Czerny understand the concept of they start simple, they get more and more complex, and that worked so well with the ballet. It's just like the ballet. It's, it started, it looks like it's easy. It's not. Uh, so it starts simple in a way. And then it, 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 it almost built a little bit like a, like a ballet class where we start hanging on to the bar. And then later on it becomes pot de bras and it becomes little jumps and it becomes turning sections and it becomes dif more and more difficult. And then you get into the jump sections where we start with what's called petit saut, small jumps, and then it, it gradually grows. It's like basically like a, like a ballet class, how we build a ballet class in every morning, the dancers do every morning. So that's what it is, and it finishes, like Lisa said, with a huge crescendo in the end, an explosion. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of how I look at the ballet. Mm -hmm. And the actual movements that the dancers are doing mm -hmm. are anything that you would do in a ballet class, sort of. No, you wouldn't want to miss, miss a ballet class if you want to do etudes. <laughs> but you, I heard you say that when you are staging the work, you always insist that you will teach the company classes. Yes. Explain that. Well, it's because it, it, it's, it's extraordinary particular in terms of timing, in terms of, uh, I wouldn't say music, musicality. Yes, it is for the ballerina, but for the company, it's more a question of rhythmicality, mm -hmm. that everybody understands the beat of the music because it's so particular. That's why when I get to a company and it's about to stage, Adrian, I always ask to teach morning classes. 
so they understand what I'm asking for uh, the next hour after mm -hmm. class. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always want to teach for them to understand what I'm going to be asking for. One of the things that the, um, is sort of known on the, I call it the inside, dancers and teachers know this work as very difficult and very challenging. You've already s said that you always have to make sure that it's a company that you th think, as you put it, I can't remember how you put it, but that can handle it. Um, so a little bit more about what makes it so very difficult. Well, all ballets are difficult, but this one is sort of very, it's very naked in a sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. When, when uh, for those of you who haven't seen it before, and for those of you who have seen it, but recall that, that when the curtain goes up, uh, there are, you see uh, three legs, and they're doing a series of exercises, and because that's basically all you gonna, will see, you can see the body a little bit, that it has to be so precise, because otherwise we're going to go, what was that? You know, and uh, so that's, that's why the dancers, the dancers are very, normally they're very, very nervous uh, to do this part, because it's so naked the whole way through. Mm -hmm. uh, normally we say that there are uh, 39 uh, performers in the, ba in the ballet company and three stars, but really, Everybody is a star in it because, as you say, it's so naked. So you see the tiniest uh, unprecise thing, you see it immediately. Mm -hmm. So the corps de ballet is performing yeah. as a star. Yeah. As yeah. Um, Speaking of the soloists that, that rise above the corps, um, there's a sort of an odd little section, um, kind of in the middle, in which all of a sudden the ballerina dis in a tutu disappears and out come sylphs. And it seems a little bit like, where did that come from? There's a history to that, I think, isn't there? Can you explain it? Well, the thing is that basically the ballerina in etude should be able to portray three different kinds of, excuse me, three different kinds of a ballerina. The first appearance she has, she should come in and she should be standing in the middle like a beautiful diamond and she's lit from up there. It's terrible, this light, I tell you. And she's lit from up there and she's like a diamond standing. The next section is sort of the lyrical section where she's a sylph. Like she has a lyrical section and the last section is when it's all virtuoso, like the brilliant. So it's, that's what's so hard about this being the ballerina is that you have to be able to do three different kinds of of being a ballerina. So that's it's, demanding. It's a little bit about the history of the ballerina then. Mm, yes, yeah. certainly, yeah. And that little moment of sylph, sylphness, yeah. is, it's charming. It just, yeah. it's yeah, a and we go into the, so she also shows that part, or the ballet also shows mm -hmm. that part of ballet, that there's a romantic pedidou. Ballet history. Yeah. To show the, evo mm -hmm. the, the evolution of, of the mm -hmm. ballet art. It's one, one century before. Um, one of the things that um, struck me when I happened to hear an earlier conversation in which you were describing the work um, that the question is often asked by our audience uh, how long does it take to learn 
a ballet-like etudes. Oh, dear me. And this is a Very funny question. question. <laughs> well, normally when I staged it in, at the Bolshoi, I had five weeks to put it on stage. And normally it takes, because at Bolshoi it takes a long time. Uh, but here it was absolutely extraordinary. I staged the whole, I mean, basically, no, not I stated, the dancers learned it in seven days, which is amazing. It's just unbelievable how quick, how bright, how skilled they are. Uh, and it's just dawned to me today that, Jesus Christ, because I thought when I was going to come back, which was like 10 days ago, that I would have time to work again, teach again, you know, show them. No, uh, because it's so, it's so condensed here when you get into to performance seasons. There are so many shows and from one production to the other production. So I was like, just today after, I thought, Jesus Christ, these people did this ballet in seven days. Obviously, we worked, but we haven't, haven't been able to go and be nitty-gritty about it. So that is absolutely astonishing what they have done. Well, we are very, you know, on behalf of the company and the dancers, I say thank you, and that uh, we're very proud that they are a group who are quick. And oh, they quick. certainly were learned a lot of repertoire in a very short uh, time. Amazing. Um, and also, if you, if you think about the style, because the style is very different from what they are used to dance. So... Not they have to learn all the steps and all the things, but also the style. In, it's very difficult for them to adapt the arms, for instance, to Highlander style. Do you want to say a little more about that? Well, for um, instance, Highlander if I could just... is it's coming out of the Royal Danish Ballet, and uh, our background is Bonneville. Uh, which was a ballet master for, I don't know, 35 years, God knows what. Uh, and we are sort of very rounded in what we do, while the Russians are very... And, uh, and Balanchine is totally different. So it is quite difficult for them to, to get that soft feeling uh, into their dancing. So that's, and there are steps which are different, which mm -hmm. it's very hard mm -hmm. to get, mm -hmm. but in the end we normally mm -hmm. get it. There's a step called demi-contentant, which is very complicated for them. It's not complicated for them, but they haven't seen it. So what the hell is that? You know, how do you do that? And even though they're so wonderful and very skilled dancers, it takes a while because it's, it's like learning a different language, really. Or, yes, speaking a language, but with widely, wildly different accents. Yes. Um, I'm just thinking in my mind, the dancers are, have just come from dancing Don Quixote, which is Petipa, mm -hmm. and that's Russian. Yeah. And they will shortly be doing Sleeping Beauty, which is the same thing. And then we sneak in a little bit of divertimento, balancing. And then suddenly they have to go to Denmark and do yeah. the Bournonville. Not to so, speak of uh, Benjamin Millipiet, who is a totally different mm -hmm. uh, choreographer with different requirements for the dancers mm -hmm. to, to, to mm -hmm. do. So. So they, it's, it's, very, it's, very, it's very different nowadays. Actually, if you go back where the Royal Danish Ballet would do Bonneville most of the time, and then they would later on, we, uh, we adapted with Balanchine came. He actually was a ballet master in Denmark for, for a little while. 
But then we, we said it was, it's almost like that they were doing balancing, but they were, sm they were smelling Danish. <laughs> and it, exactly the same happened in, in New York City Ballet when uh, the famous Danish teacher Stanley Williams came there and they started to do bits of Bonneville. They couldn't do Bonneville, so they did Bonneville smelling balancing. <laughs> Smell like balancing. You know? so it, mm -hmm. But these days where dancers move around much, 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 much more, uh, mm -hmm. go to different companies, then it, it in, a, in a sense, a little sad because it sort of, it sort of dilutes the essence of a specific uh, style. That's an interesting remark. Yeah. I know one of the things that Helgi has remarked in the conversations I've been privileged to have, um, he loves to uh, bring the varied historical styles to make sure that his dancers practice them yeah. and put them into the muscles yeah. so they can carry them on. Yeah, no, I, that's, and it is deluded, but I mean, people like Hilke and other mm -hmm. people are trying to contain the, the, the beautiful old way of doing ballet. Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't believe how oh. difficult it is to have a, a ballerina not doing this but doing that. I mean, it, it takes tons of corrections. No, I'm not going to say any names. No, da-da-da-da, <laughs> the arm should be here, not there. You do that when you do balancing, yeah. but when you do Harlanda or Bonner, you do it here. Oh. Or you use the example of, um, in a Russian style, you would finish here, yeah, whereas in a Bournemouth, you would finish here. Yeah, the Russian style is much more sort of like the big... Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, where the Danish style is much more contained. Every time we finish in Bonneville, every time we finish a, a variation, it's done like understated, where the Russian would go, wah! And we just go... <laughs> so it's a matter of what you like or don't like. <laughs> well, it might be possible for some of our audience to... Um, get us talking about more things by letting them ask some questions. So let's see if anyone in the audience has some questions about ballet mastering or Wernerville or... I see one back there. You're going to have to speak very loudly. That's a great question. Well, I, in case everybody didn't hear it. That is a very good question. Uh, Can you repeat the question? I would, first of all, I would say that not only are the dancers incredible talented and committed to what they do, but this whole organization is highly professional. And there are four ballet masters which are unbelievable, clever, and very, very good, and very dedicated, and it, it, they are unreal. They really are. So I won't have to say, first of all, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. So, but it's all in good hands. They will give them tons of corrections. <laughs> and when I'm gone, and Lisa's gone, they'll give them even more corrections because then they want to say, those two Danish people there, you know, let's do it properly now. So, yes, the question was, how much will the dancers be given notes? And, uh, I mean, yes, that always will happen. But thank you for that compliment on behalf of our ballet masters because, yes. I thank them. Yeah. Um, there's a question, yeah. So the question is, um, back to your comment about how picky or choo how carefully you choose which companies can dance etudes. Um, what are some of the other companies that do etudes? 
first of all, you have to have a big company because there are many, uh, many dancers. Mm -hmm. But you have to have strong companies like this one here, people who really um, can do it. And uh, small theaters may have very good dancers, but they don't have enough dancers. So, and this is a cast of 37 or... 37 altogether. Right. Uh, yeah. Honestly. I mean, an example of this is that uh, uh, when uh, I'm going to, to Brisbane to, to teach it in January next year, and uh, the director there is, uh, is a Chinese, fantastic man, and he asked if he could do it. Then I said to Lise, Lise asked me, what do you think, John? He said, I don't know the company. But I know the people who are there, like the ballet masters and, and Lee Conchin, who is the director, and I believe in their, they're very, very good people. So I said, but I have to go and see if the company is good enough. So I went to see the company, and certainly the company was good enough, but I said to Lee after, I was there for two days teaching to see if I could do it, and uh, I had to say to him after, but Lee, do you don't have enough dancers? And he just looked at me and he said, you know what, Johnny, when you come and do it, I've hired 20 more. So you will have enough. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> but as Lisa is saying, it, it, it's Lisa's choosy who's getting it. It needs to be a major company, and they need to have enough dancers to be able to do what you're going to see tonight. Mm -hmm. So, and not everybody can do it. It has to be a big company. Um, not to continue patting our company on its head, but you were mentioning how pleased you were that we had not one, not two but three casts of principles. This is extraordinary that there is actually three full casts of brilliant principal dancers. It, 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 that doesn't happen very often. You might have two ballerinas, but then you have three boys, you know, and, and, or you have whatever. You know, it's like that. It's very seldom you have three ballerinas, and there are even more, I know, but there are three ballerinas doing it now, and there's six boys, there's actually seven boys, Mm -hmm. doing it now, and that is unusual. That's very unusual. A um, couple more. Oh. Let, um, Johnny, let me repeat it for the yeah. recording. As this is a good time to say this is recorded. It will be on the company's website as a podcast in about a week's time, so you can go and hear all this wonderful stuff and anything you might have missed. The question was... Johnny, you go around the world teaching and coaching. And um, if I can paraphrase, what, how, how does that happen? How do you do that? What's life like on the road being an international itinerant? Well, it's, it's, it's quite simple because I really do love it. I do have the opportunity to see. I probably see and work with around 1,000 dancers every year in different companies because I go so many different places. I'm actually on the road for 10 months a year. I live in Denmark, but I don't know how it looks because I'm never there. <laughs> and my wife is very happy that I'm not at home. <laughs> but, uh, so I think I'm just so blessed to be asked for, from all those companies to, and these are all the big companies, Paris Opera, Australian Ballet, here, Houston Ballet, Royal Ballet, Royal Danish Ballet, Royal Ballet in London, English National Ballet, it, it, it's Munich, it, it's all over. 
the world. So I'm just very fortunate that. And the funny thing is that most of the people who asked me is, is young dancers I've worked with before that then becomes director and seems to remember me and phone me up and say, Johnny, can you come and teach here? And uh, yes, so I don't know what, what I do which is different because I'm very strict of, of what I want. And uh, the dancer seems to like that. That's always really appreciated. It really is. We have run out of time. I want to uh, repeat that I have been in conversation with Lisa Lander, who is the artistic advisor on Etudes, and with Johnny Eliasson. Am I getting that close enough? Um, Who is the repetitor who staged Etudes. And we are going to be so treated to such a wonderful experience this evening thanks to their good work. So do enjoy this evening's program. Thank you so much. And thank you both so much. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.